Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Virginia Mountaineers, Penn State Nittany Lions, the 2023 college football season is finally here. That's right. West Virginia and Penn State will kick off the 2023 season from Beaver Stadium, NBC National TV, and they're renewing an old rivalry. We'll talk about whether or not it's actually a current one or means anything now, but nonetheless, two historic programs, one with some major expectations this year to maybe claim a national championship, but it's been a long time since that program's claimed as Penn State's really hoping for the playoff, maybe playoff or bust this year. And West Virginia just looking to get back in the right direction to ever get back to glory in the first place. I'm Mike Oste, and I am going to be joined by Joe Smeltzer as we are going to talk West Virginia, Penn State here for the Sports Now Network's preview show of by far our biggest game of week one. So, Joe, happy to be aboard, happy to be talking with you. Season's finally here. The summer is over. It is basically fall because football is here. And you've been taking the temperature of Penn State all through camp, all through the offseason to now. So before we fully get into the show here, what is the atmosphere like uh, in Happy Valley? going into this season, win the Rose Bowl, but you lose your two rivals. You go into this year, some are saying this is even a more talented team, but it appears to me from the outside, there's almost an uncomfortable pressure. Like if Penn State has another 10-2 and two year and loses to Ohio State and Michigan again, that wouldn't be celebrated. So it's almost like a playoff or bust year, which is kind of hard to deal with. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, it's... I would say it's a little uncomfortable because uh, not only obviously when you're expected to get to a couple, maybe not expected, it might be a strong term. Penn State's ranked number seven. They're not in the top five. They're not a team that yeah. a million people are expecting to play off the way, you know, people are talking about Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, sure. et cetera. But uh, some are, though. This I is, mean, national experts are putting them in the playoffs. So, oh, sure. yeah. But the consensus, if you were to pull every national expert on the planet, I don't. I think right. more would have Penn State out of the playoff than in. So probably, um, probably. I would say, generally speaking, um, expected's probably a stretch. But these are the highest expectations Penn State's had, um, at least since 2017, and maybe even further back than that. Um, this is a loaded roster. Uh, James Franklin has basically said it's his deepest team at Penn State, and he's had some pretty darn good football teams uh, in his nine years at Penn State. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah there, there is pressure. But, yes, about the overall atmosphere, um, it's hard to say that it's a great atmosphere only because we're recording this a few hours after Penn State's would-be starting left guard, Landon Tangwall, um, right. announced his uh, re- medically um, re- medically retired from football. Uh, so that's always hard. Uh, Tangwall not only – would have been, um, I think, a very good offensive lineman for Penn State. 
Uh, but he's just one of the best people I've uh, dealt with uh, in my brief time, okay. relatively brief time on the beat. So that's always hard. But overall, this um, the vibes have been great all year. Uh, I think I've even noticed in James Franklin's Tuesday presser, his first one, he seems more relaxed. Um, the talk okay. about Drew Hour, obviously, yeah, been forever. He was a five star guy signed. It was a big deal when he signed. It was a big deal last year when he was named. Um, the backup to Sean Clifford, which not a lot of people were expecting. They thought maybe Christian Bayer now with Pitt Panther would be the backup. So he yeah. surprised people there. I think he surprised people by getting into 10 games and doing quite well, albeit in mop-up time. And um, James Franklin said in his presser that it took 14 practices for Drew Hour to throw one interception. And that's impressive in and of itself. But when you consider him playing against a defense that – might be one of the best in college football, certainly has one of the best coordinators in college football, Manny Diaz. That's pretty good. So the vibes are yeah. great. It definitely feels like a top 10 team with top 10 talent. And yeah, it's hard to be um, too upset about anything regarding Penn State right now, uh, aside from the unfortunate <laughs> news about Landon Tangwall. Um, maybe yeah. that changes Saturday night with an upset, uh, but we'll talk more about this. But I think the vibes are still going to be pretty good come late Saturday night, Sunday morning. So. Yeah, Joe Smelter of Nittany Sports Now, Mike Ostley here at WV Sports Now, as we're talking West Virginia at Penn State to kick off the 2023 college football season. And as Joe talked about, Penn State is looking at really major bowl game at minimum and maybe playoff. And then once you're there, who knows? This is a Penn State team that absolutely has high expectations. And many have said that this could be the most talented roster that James Franklin has had. And if there's ever going to be a year, that Penn State is going to beat Michigan and Ohio State in the same year, or even beat one of them, this could be the year. And there even are also some, Joe, saying that Penn State could even afford one of the losses. TCU did it last year. They lost the conference championship game and still got in the playoff because they had a lot of ranked wins in a major conference. Penn State could potentially, as long as they beat one of them, go through the schedule, not win the Big Ten, and just get one regular season winning in Michigan or Ohio State, lose to the other, and that may still squeak them in because the Big Ten is so strong, So certainly at the top. So, again, potentially the door open for Penn State, but before we get to all of that and Penn State gets to count their flowers, they got to get by the West Virginia Mountaineers, and the vibe's obviously different around Morgantown, coming off a five- and seven-year. West Virginia a long ways away from winning a national championship it feels and Neil Brown looking to have a quality winning season in or just keep his job. And that whole debate is basically surrounding this program and what those expectations really should be a really, really tough schedule for West Virginia that obviously does not get easy to start out. And Neil Brown has been quoted. He's actually said this. I've counted now three straight press conferences, Joe. He said the exact same quote when he watches film. We're not easing into any of this. So you can tell that he knew Penn State. It almost feels like West Virginia coaches knew how good Penn State was. They know. Everyone knows. But once you turn that film on, they're getting to be like, whoa. This is a different animal than even the team maybe we watched last year or what we've heard. So to paint the picture on this Penn State team and what they're bringing to the table – why for you? Because you covered the Rose Bowl win. Last year, Penn State, they had the two rival losses, but 
and to the top dogs in Ohio State and Michigan that were vying for the playoff all year, but they won the Rose Bowl. For any other program, that would be a parade. A 10-2 and two Rose Bowl season would that then ended up in a Rose Bowl championship would be a parade. And, and the Rose Bowl is an elusive thing for the history of Penn State, despite how historic it is. Big deal. But some are saying this is a better team. Bruce Feldman put more freaks on the list, and WVU's coaches think there should be a couple more. This is a team that now people are saying maybe could get in the playoff, where last year the Rose Bowl was kind of the peak of where most of the national media put them. Why, for you, is this Penn State team better? And why, for you, are people saying this Penn State team is potentially James Franklin's opportunity at a national championship? Why? Coming off last year, to say this is so much better, got to be surprising for some, but that is what many are saying. Yeah, and that's a good question, Mike. Uh, and I think probably the biggest reason why I feel and a lot of other people feel that uh, this Penn State team should be better than last year's is because so the freshman class of Penn State what came in with high expectations. I think the number six ranked class in the country, one of James Franklin's best at Penn State, um, even before they stepped on the field. And then the, that class exceeded the expectations. I don't know if people expected yeah. Nick Singleton to be as good as he was right away. I certainly myself did not think Catron Allen would make the impact that he did. And Abdul Carter obviously became a stud too. So those guys yeah. are going to be older. Um, I think the offensive line definitely should be better with everybody coming back um, minus Juice Scruggs, which losing Juice Scruggs hurts. That was a center emotional leader on Penn State's team, but they're replacing right. him with Hunter Norzad, who's a six-year guy, all-conference player in the Ivy League, and has kind of, I think, similar leadership qualities to Juice Scruggs. So I think, um, obviously, losing Tangwall hurts, but I think uh, J.B. Nelson, uh, a Pittsburgh guy, should do a pretty good job replacing him at left guard. Uh, so um, the line should be better. Um, and then and the obvious, I mentioned the freshman class, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Abdul Carter, they're going to be not only a year more experienced, but they have an extra year training in a college weight program. So they're going to be stronger. Yeah. They're going to be, you know, the cliches are going to be sure. stronger, better. That should apply to all of them. They were already so good last year. And then the crown jewel of that class never started a game and he'll be starting a game. And if Drew Auer is anywhere close to what people think he could be, He'll be better than Sean Clifford, and I think he'll be better than Sean Clifford by the end of his first year if he can at least approach those expectations. So um, yeah. I think that the main reason is that Penn State has so much coming back, and um, you got to go back to that coveted freshman class. There's the guys that did play a lot um, or should be an improved version of themselves, which were already very good, and there's guys like K.J. Winston who I think is going to – um, be an impact player at safety pretty soon. There's guys like him that haven't gotten a chance to show what they, they could do yet because they followed the conventional true freshman path of weighing their turn and not playing very much. So yeah, circling back to that 2022 class, I think they were arguably the biggest reason Penn State won the Rose Bowl last year and um, they'll be a better version of themselves this year. So I think that's what I would yeah. point to as to why Penn State should be a better football team in 2023 than they were when they won the Rose Bowl in 22. Yeah, and it also is possible this is a much better and more talented Penn State team that ends up with the same record because the teams that they are trying to beat, that they 
can't seem to climb that mountain over top of in Michigan and Ohio State also are bringing bringing tons of talent back and also are expected to be very, very good as well. And they also expect to be in the playoff, but that's kind of the issue when you're Penn State. You want to shoot for the stars, but there are a couple programs that are have been above you that are currently above you, but we'll see where Penn State goes. And it also feels like to me that a lot of this also points to the quarterback because even though John Clifford ended up winning a Rose Bowl. You cap off your career really the best way you can. And it was a successful college career. He got looked in the NFL. You know, who knows? He's not going to probably have a great pro career, but he'll make some money potentially. Maybe play elsewhere in another league. But nobody ever really, it seemed like, felt confident enough that Sean Clifford could win you a national championship like they now do with Aller. And it almost feels like that, the inexperience, the practices, the 60 pass attempts or whatever it is going into week one is maybe the only thing holding people back from saying this Penn State team actually should be a Big Ten favorite that you just don't know at QB because no interceptions at practice is great. But until you get into a big game, the bright lights, you don't have your answer on how he's actually going to play in that environment that's going to happen repeatedly throughout the year in the Big Ten, and that's the only thing that almost does equalize this game a little bit for me, Joe, and and obviously Penn State is heavily favored, as they should be, but West Virginia is going into this game off a quarterback battle. Garrett Green is going to start for West Virginia. Aller's going to start for Penn State, even though Neil Brown and James Franklin haven't said this uh, as we're recording this show, and Garrett Green's a little bit more seasoned in terms of being around the program longer. He lost out to some veterans where West Virginia brought in transfers, Jared Daggy. JT Daniels in the past, they weren't really battles. You're paying a guy as a transfer, you're clearly going to play him. And Garrett Green wasn't ready. But now it appears he's going to be the guy and he is ready. He actually got big moments. Aller hasn't had this. Garrett Green had big, they only won five games overall, but the wins they did have were pretty big for the program. He came in against Oklahoma and won the first game for the Mountaineers ever beating Oklahoma since they, since they were both in the Big 12, beat Oklahoma State. What hadn't happened in a long time either, you know, down years for those programs, but still he felt atmosphere, the bright lights, fourth quarter and one games. And that maybe could give West Virginia a little bit of an advantage in terms of dealing with that, even though he has certainly not dealt with what he's going to see at Beaver Stadium. Is there any validity or concern in terms of, you know, yes, he's a five star kid, but what if? Like, how do you think James Franklin would handle that? Do you think there would be a quick hook by any means if he throws two picks that are run back in the first half because they don't want to let this, you know, a game they should kill get away from them? Or is he just the guy that James Franklin's going to ride with and they kind of have to go in praying he's going to be dominant in a big game when they don't know as a starter? Yeah, so I can't really see a hook because looking at the rest of Penn State's quarterback room, you have Bo Pribular, yeah. who came in at the same time as Drew Hours, going to be facing the same uh, whatever drawbacks come with inexperience with Drew Hours. It's going to be even worse for Bo, Bo Pribular because he didn't play at all last season. And then sure, the first yeah. spring is a true freshman and Jackson Smolik, same type of deal. So I don't think there's going to be a hook. Um, What would ease my concern um if i'm a penn state fan is what drew hour did week one at purdue last year you look at the stat line he went two of four for 26 yards but 
He came in in a tight situation, if I'm remembering it right. Penn State was up by four in the second half on the road. So a point under the bright lights with yeah. people cheering against him and not for him. On the road, he went four or six for 20, or four or six, two or four uh, for 26 yards. That doesn't sound like much, and it wasn't much, but A, he looked very calm. That's having been there, he looked like he knew what he was doing, which is huge for a freshman. And second, he threw a ball to one of the tight ends, Tyler Warren, that was dropped, but it was his best throw tonight. And it was a throw that Penn State fans shared the video of, and it would have been a first down. So had Warren caught that ball, that Penn State would have kept that drive alive. And then yeah. who knows, it would have led the team to a field goal and put them up by 10 or led them to a touchdown. And boy, Drew Hour had led Penn State to a touchdown coming in. Um, all that hype would have been accelerated and, you know, who knows what would have happened on what was then Twitter. Um, but yeah, I think what <laughs> right. I saw last and year. And it was a good Purdue out. team to be fair. I mean, obviously with now yeah, the division format good. gone, they probably wouldn't be in the big 10 title game if you do the season all over again, but still a, a quality Purdue team. It wasn't like you're playing, you know, an FCS and doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, the biggest sample of Drew Hour playing in a tight game because every other time right. he got in, Penn State was up by a million points. So, yeah. um, hard to judge much off of garbage time. But yeah, I think from what I know about Drew Hour, from talking with him, from talking with people about him, he is the type of guy that will not shy away from a big moment. He has a fire that a quarterback needs to have, um, okay. but at the same time, he's laid back enough to where he's not going to get scared. He's going to do his job and. Uh, whoever's watching him is going to watch him. That won't phase him. I There's going to be some nerves because, you know, if you're not a little bit nervous coming in, like, you know, what are you doing? Like playing in front of 100,000. But I think yeah. Drew Hour is, has that coolness that you want out of a quarterback and obviously the physical attributes, the big arm, all of that too. So, in short, I wouldn't worry too much about it as a Penn State fan, especially when you have maybe the best running back duo in the Big Ten, if not college football. So. There you go. That was how I that was that was how I was maybe going to segue. Joe Smeltzer here, Nittany Sports Now, like Austin WV Sports Now. We are previewing West Virginia at Penn State to kick off the 2023 college football season. NBC televised, obviously a rocking atmosphere at Beaver Stadium with 100K plus. Now you mentioned if Drew Aller's worried in any way, you got a lot of running backs to you know hand the rock to. So is that the strategy for you? Even if Aller feels comfortable and it's going well and he has an arm for sure, but especially in a game like this where you're a heavy favorite, do you feel like James Franklin's going in thinking, okay, we don't want our quarterback to kill us. We'd love to have a big player too. He is inexperienced. We got four horses. We're going to feed him the rock. We're going to get up. We're going to pound it. And then we're going to, go on to week two? Like, is this going to be a run-heavy, rely on the running back? Because Penn State's weakness, I was actually just appearing on a show earlier today, and the host of that show told me that the only weakness he can think of for Penn State is the receivers, which included actually some receivers on West Virginia that almost became Nittany Lions, and Devin Carter, a veteran, Rodney Gallagher, a freshman. I would imagine Penn State would love to have both of them, and they'd probably feel like they'd walk to a national title. That is the weak spot. So do they just ground and pound and then whatever Aller gives as long as he doesn't hurt them is great and just a cherry on the Sunday? Yeah, I think when I talk with Michael Robinson, who knows a thing or two about playing quarterback at Penn State, I talked <laughs> to him at uh, Big Ten Media yeah. Days and 
his la- I asked him about Drew Hour naturally, and the last thing he said about Drew Hour was, "As long as he doesn't turn the ball over, he'll be fine." So, I think that's the mindset. I think Hour's uh, going to go win. Like the biggest thing I think in these first few games will be for Hour to not hurt Penn State, and then obviously, right. I think if he doesn't hurt Penn State, then that'll give him the confidence enough. Not that I don't think he needs too much confidence, but that will lead to kind of the big things taking care of themselves help lead to that. But I would expect them to run the ball a lot uh, because as we talked, as I mentioned earlier, Singleton and Allen um, were so good last year and they should be better versions of themselves this year. So, you know, plus having an offensive line as good as it is, like why would you not use that to your advantage? I just think um, I think the worst thing a team could do would be to overthink um, it when you're a 20 point favorite, you know, just kind of keep it simple. Um, I haven't read too much about West Virginia's defensive line, but what I've heard hasn't been too good. Um, I think Penn state definitely has the edge in that department. I think the running backs and all that. Uh, So um, if Penn state does throw the ball more than I expect, it could be good or bad. It could mean that drew hour is progressing faster than even people are expecting him to, or it could mean that, Mike Yurcich, the offensive coordinator, is overthinking things a little bit. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, if uh, I were a betting man and I haven't been for a few years, I would say that good <laughs> and will play their strengths and run the football. And then if WVU decides to sell out and not let Singleton and Allen beat them, then that opens up more passing opportunities. And you mentioned that Penn State's wide receivers are a weakness and they could be, I guess, but Penn state's tight ends aren't. And I think I'm a big believer that a tight end is a great thing for a young quarterback to have. And our will have plenty of options in that department. Cause even without Brent strange, I think Penn state's tight end room might be the most underrated position group on this team. Yeah. And I'll tell you the West Virginia coaching staff in particular defensive coordinator, Jordan Leslie, he thinks so. He thinks Tyler Warren is the best player on the field. Yeah, and Tyler, Tyler Warren is looked at by, I, I think, most people as Penn State's second option at tight end. Uh, Theo Johnson. Yeah, and that, that's what I mean. He and was not on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Right. Yeah, that's what's insane. And and maybe the experience is the matchup that Jordan Leslie talks about. But, yes, when you're a young quarterback, having multiple tight ends really gives you security. And the funny thing with Tyler Warren and saying he's the best player or he's a freak or should be on the list as well. He's not even the best number 44. Like, yeah. so, so, I mean, that's what's ridiculous about how Penn state has so much talent right now, but Joe, I mean, also I, I heard you, you're telling me you're not reading up on West Virginia at WV sports. Now I got a lot of articles over there. If you need, need to oh, learn yeah. before the game, I'm just kidding. Just the defensive line in particular. I, I got you. No, I'm just messing with you, but yes, I do absolutely think Penn state is going to ground and pound and that is going to be the strategy, but Aller also could maybe try to be certainly involved here and, you know, West Virginia is going to tr- – I will say if West Virginia has a chance in this game, this isn't breaking news. Uh, this probably will be the case for a couple other games throughout the year. They're going to need to capitalize and create some turnovers. They didn't do it at all last year except for really against Virginia Tech, which was a big win of that season. You got to. But Aubrey Burks has said, even by PFF and others, that he has NFL potential, that he's a ball hawk. Beanie Bishop has Big Ten experience from Minnesota. He's kind of PO'd and says they didn't get him in opportunities where he could be a ball hawk. He wants to be that. They have put an emphasis on trying to create turnovers and swatting the ball and hitting you. And 
uh, I mean, Neil Brown said he actually made him as physical as was even allowed in the rules. And Anthony Wilson, who was a transfer that was not on the team last year, he says his model is Carl Joseph, which we even joke with him. Like, I don't think you could even do that legally now. Like, you're actually going to hurt the team because apparently when he first walked on the field at practice, and I believe it was Cortez Braham, that he laid him out. Like, first day on the job, he's crushing one of his own receivers, and then his defensive coaches had to, hey, pull him back and say, hey, um, we need that guy. Do it to the opponent, not here. So that mentality is a little different than last year. The talent edge certainly still favors Penn State, but maybe you have any experience at QB. If you go too much to the QB and go to a weakness at receiver, Maybe West Virginia could probably nab a turnover or two, maybe try for a pick or two, cause a fumble. So that might, again, have Penn State just go to the running backs, circle the running backs, tell them don't fumble the ball, just churn the yards, and then that'll that'll be enough for them. Now, you mentioned West Virginia's defensive line, but I do want to ask you just what you've heard and if you think at all this maybe could be a problem for Penn State because this game could also come down to the trenches in terms of whether this is a 20-point game or whether West Virginia can make this closer and be competitive in this game and surprise some people. Another position outside of maybe a little more experience at quarterback, despite the talent edge for Aller, that West Virginia could maybe have a check mark in their direction is offensive line. Now, I'm sure you've heard this, 135 st- starts coming back to West Virginia. Zach Frazier potentially be a first-round draft pick. He's definitely an NFL player. Duck Nestor could be an NFL player. Wyatt Milam could be an NFL player. So by far, I mean, they have multiple players on Big 12 All-American lists. And this is for a team that was 5-7 and last year. And it's because of the offensive line. They're also a run-heavy team. So they may ground in pound two with a series of running backs. In terms of the Battle of the Trenches, any conversation about West Virginia's offensive line and Penn State's awareness to their talent level? And could that be in any way a problem? Obviously, Penn State has studs all over the place. But if West Virginia's offensive line plays to their capabilities and wins that battle of the trenches, or at least competes in it, could that allow this game to get closer? Yeah, I think West Virginia's best chance is to kind of ride C.J. Donaldson and uh, hope that uh, they can have power over Penn State's uh, defensive tackles. I think they're not – I don't think they're going to handle Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac on the edges. I I don't think West Virginia has an advantage there. But defensive tackle, um, based on what we've seen the past few years at Penn State, uh, with with the possible exception of P.J. Mustafer, not a lot of – Guys in the middle um, of that front four have made too big an impact for Penn State. But um, something that was interesting to me, and um, I think this is big because it's about what's how West Virginia's offensive line is going to do against not really the front four, but the two in the middle. I think those are the two I would yeah. focus on, on West Virginia. Those are the guys you got to beat. Um, when James Franklin – talked about his team at Penn, Big Ten Media Day. He gave a little opening statement and then took questions. But he said that the one question mark at Penn State's defense wasn't the defensive line. It was the secondary. Um, and that was pretty interesting to me because Franklin has been critical of his defensive tackles over the past year. He had one of his more famous press conference quotes the last season was after that Michigan 41-17 losses when he said yeah. everybody thinks they're Aaron Donald and they're not, obviously meaning that 
you know, Aaron Donald's a quote unquote undersized guy, but he's not looked at as undersized because he's Aaron Donald. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But Penn State, um, to kind of go off that, Hakeem Beeman, who um, some people think what Franklin said might have been a subtweet to Hakeem Beeman because he was starting <laughs> at about 262 pounds, which is not too big. He's 280. He's in the 280s now. He's gained about 20 pounds over the offseason. So he's ready to go. I don't know if Penn State has a true impact threat at defensive tackle the way they have pretty much everywhere else. But you got um, Beeman, you have Jordan Vandenberg, who's more over 300 pounds, 310, I think. He, Franklin, pointed him out as maybe the most impressive player, uh, improved, excuse me, player on Penn State's team. And I said impressive because we talked about the freaks list. He was number 15 in the nation on that freaks list. And he's the guy that's not going to start for Penn State. Yeah, so that's ridiculous. Speaks yeah. well to Penn State's, um, yeah, the Penn State strength training program. But aside from Vandenberg, you got Keziah Izzard, who I think has been impressive in the limited reps he's gotten. Devon Elise is entering his fifth year. He's an experienced guy. Uh, Zane Durant is entering year two. He might be one of those class of 22 guys that takes a big leap. Um, you got a lot, um, at defensive tackle. So, um, yeah, even without that impact player, I think Penn State has enough options at defensive tackle to where, you know, maybe a guy's not getting the job done. They could sub in somebody else to get it right. And um, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to stand up to Zach Frazier because that's one of the best anywhere in college football. But right. um, they might be able to do enough to where C.J. Donaldson doesn't run wild enough to give West Virginia a chance because I think he's going to have – Maybe not the game of his life, but he'll have to, I think, at least replicate what he did in the backyard ball last year um, to really yeah. put it there in the Penn State. Yeah, and what West Virginia fans would say here and has been true following the program through the offseason and covering the team, C.J. Donaldson is in better shape, too. So he emerged at the backyard brawl, and Joe, I don't know if you know the story of C.J., he had never played the position prior to the backyard brawl. This man was oh. listed as a tight end on the roster until like week three. They didn't know what to do with them. And Pitt media, West Virginia media, I'm not even sure Narduzzi knew what was coming at him. Like nobody knew C.J. Donaldson was that guy, was that dude until midway through that game. A lot in the press box, I was sitting there and you're seeing people turn around and being, whoa, like what's going on? And then, unfortunately, he dealt with injury after injury, the concussion, laying on the field in Austin. His season was never really the same, even though he actually was their leading rusher over Tony Mathis, who's a veteran midway through the year. Figuring he's now healthy and in better shape, because Neil Brown talked a lot last year, why weren't you giving him more touches? 15 touches a game, he just dominated the backyard brawl. He was the star player, even in a loss. Why not more touches? And he kept saying he can't handle it. He's not in good enough shape. He was right. He turned out being right. We'll see because he's supposedly in better shape this year. But I don't know if you saw the tweet of mine or X post or whatever it is now that kind of went viral because fans are upset that Chad Scott said that C.D. Donaldson is likely going to get 15 plus touches. And fans were like, you say he's in better shape. How is he not getting more touches now? West Virginia, like Penn State. And, and what I actually said to somebody the other day, it almost feels like these teams, Joe, mirror each other. It's just Penn State has elite talent and West Virginia is kind of like middle of the road. Like oh, their, yeah. str their strategy, their game plan, the way they're built 
they both have four running backs they want to click. Like the reason why he didn't say more touches for CJ, despite him in better shape, they want to get Jalen Anderson, Justin Johnson Jr., and Jaheim White from York, PA, who's hungry for this game. They all want to get him touches. It's not just, and even maybe DJ Oliver. It's not just the CJ Donaldson show like it might have been last year, whether Tony was in there or not. So they want to kind of do the same things. But yeah, CJ could emerge. I, I think he's a player that's going to have to have a big game, could be a big play threat for the Mountaineers, but they're also going to move to other running backs as well. But that's a player that maybe could even be better this year for West Virginia and Penn State could be dealing with more than, say, Pitt dealt with, with more CJ seasoning under CJ Donaldson. But yeah, they, they seem like very similar teams here. So what I do want to get to, and obviously when the spread's 20 and a half, you know, it's hard to talk about this game in terms of keys and things like that, because if everything goes right for Penn State and really if Drew Allen doesn't kill them early, this game should be a comfortable win for the Nittany Lions, especially at home, especially in that atmosphere. If West Virginia hangs tight at halftime, I think that'll be a win for NBC probably, and maybe even a moral one for the program, even though they won't count it as such. But hypothetically for the program here, Joe, if West Virginia does hang with them at halftime, or if they shock the world and put another, you know, date on the wall of the sports page, which is a famous sports bar in Morgantown of a rare win over Penn State, and Neil Brown gets his feather in the cap, like they ride high this year on the, one of the more important years for the history of the program, and they do it. They shock the world somehow. How does that occur? Is it just simply... Drew Aller in that example is going to probably throw two pick sixes and Beanie Bishop running them back. Are there fumbles? Does West Virginia run a kickoff back? Cause Beanie Bishop's hunger for that as well. And the returning game is way better this year than last year. Like how does that look if it happens hypothetically? Cause there are some West Virginia fans that it seems like thinks this game could be closer than some are predicting here and 20 and a half, you know, it's hard to say, but We've seen upsets before, and West Virginia was, was an underdog last year, and, you know, they almost beat Pitt. So could they make this yeah. closer, and how would they make this closer? Yeah, I would probably say, Mike, uh, that the most likely outcome is probably similar to what West Virginia – or not West Virginia, Penn State and Pitt had in 2017, you know, People were projecting Penn State the boat race pit that year, yeah. and it didn't really happen. But at the same time, Pitt didn't put a scare in the Penn State either, and that final score, 33-14, kind of reflected how that game was. I could see that happening, but for West Virginia to put a scare in the Penn State and maybe even, as you mentioned, uh, do the unthinkable, there has to be something that happens that's beyond Penn State making a mistake. I think the most <laughs> likely path to that would be Penn State's replacing everybody on special teams, new kicker, new punter, new long snapper. Okay. So maybe a special teams mishap. We've seen how special teams affect games, but I think something crazy kind of has to happen that goes beyond the typical uh, QB overthrows the receiver, throws interception, guy fumbles, anything yeah. like that. So I think, uh, yeah, maybe a block punt, a missed ship shot, a missed extra point, whatever. Something like that has to happen. Um, instead of, or maybe even in addition to a conventional turnover mishap on the part of the free touchdown favorite. 
Yeah, and maybe a couple times. <laughs> maybe not even just one or two of those occasions. Maybe happening throughout the first and second half there. Yeah, there's going to have to be some luck, and maybe it'll be spooky and scary, but it's not going to be Halloween. It'll be week one as West Virginia and Penn State kick off the 2023 season, and that might have been part of the back ball being so close last year, despite West Virginia getting exposed throughout that year, is you don't have film. Like, I think the one advantage West Virginia has going into this game, if they have any, and obviously they're heavy underdog, is there's an argument out there, Joe, and I want to see if you think there's any validity to this argument, that obviously Penn State has seen it all, but they don't have any film on this West Virginia team. New play caller, new offensive coordinator, a series of new running backs. CJ certainly could even be better. New quarterback. New receivers, literally the whole receiver room's different and, and, and supposedly better. Defense may be deeper, they think, even though you lose Dante Stills. Certainly better in the secondary with more playmakers there. And the scheme is going to be more what great West Virginia fans remember of great Mountaineer teams of the past in terms of dual-threat QB, run-heavy team, getting more athletic. Last year was an air-raid offense with a prototypical pocket passer to start off the year they put points up but it just wasn't mountaineer football for some fans they had great years with Gino and company but this could be more of closer to what pat white gave you or or that rasheed marshall before him of a dual threat qb and garrett green is very 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 fast if he can get outside and get by some defenders and spark the offense that way as long as he doesn't make mistakes when he does try to throw. So maybe the fact that this is week one and there's no film, is there any any validity to the fact that Penn State, very, very good, going to face some good teams in the Big Ten, but it's possible they may not face something like West Virginia's throwing at them, and that could cause problems early in this game? Like, they, 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 hey, they have a, a, a dual-threat QB that runs a 4-5. Like, that is not something Penn State dealt with last year. Uh, I think that could go both ways, Mike. Um, they There is no film, uh, and that could lead to some uh, things happening yeah. that maybe people don't expect. I think, uh, you know, the saying is that a lot of wild stuff happens in week one, and part of that is because yeah. teams don't know what they're preparing for. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, people talk about um, how West Virginia, you mentioned new coordinator, new receivers, new personnel, different from – a team that went five and seven, but when things come together and improve, it's very rare that it happens right away. And yeah. I think uh, for all of this to gel right away, maybe this West Virginia seems better than last year. Maybe it's good enough to say, say Neil Brown's job. Maybe they win seven, eight games, but for so many new things, uh, that have gone in to work so well in the first game. I have a bit of a hard time seeing that. Whereas you look <laughs> at Penn state and right. so many, there's same coordinators, same head coach, new quarterback, but a quarterback that has a year in the system. Uh, they've all played together. And I think the more experienced team probably has the advantage um, right away in week one. So yeah, not knowing fully what Garrett Green can do, not knowing about these receivers, although Penn State sh should know a lot about Devin Carter since he committed yeah. to that. But, <laughs> right, uh, yeah. yeah that, that could yeah. lead, that could help West Virginia, but also at the same time, all of this new stuff has to work so well week one 
against a superior opponent in a stadium where 100,000, 107,000 people are cheering for said opponent. So it's going to be tough. Um, and James Franklin usually wins the games he's supposed to win. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. going to, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for West Virginia to, you know, do too much, I think. Yeah, it's very, very possible. And I would imagine that if West Virginia does keep this close, it's because they, and it, it's hard to do when you're getting a new group together, but because they click early or they benefit off a mistake early or they run a kickoff back early or they get an interception return or great field position early. Like West Virginia is going to have to hang in this game early. If Penn State gets up 14 nothing in the first six minutes or so, they're probably going to bury the Mountaineers. But if West Virginia somehow gets a 7 nothing lead and then they can just play defense or any of that occurs or it's 14-7 even if Penn State's up, but it's close and West Virginia's on the board to keep the ratings up for TV. Like if that all occurs through the first half or through the first quarter or so, then that could at least show you something like you're saying about West Virginia, even if they would still lose, that, okay, they are better than last year. It's just they're playing the number seven team in the country or even have a chance to shock the world. But they cannot get down big early on, or it, it probably then could be in the direction of the 56, you know, predictions that some are throwing out there and, and make 20 and a half look like they were being nice to the Mountaineers. It could go either way, and I don't think it would shock anybody, but – this is this is a different West Virginia team for better or worse, and it's a scheme that I think maybe makes more sense in the personnel. So we will definitely see. You mentioned some possible scores that have been thrown out there on you know games that could possibly be the result here. How are you leaning? Like if you had to pick this game, you got a lot in your mind about what Penn State can do. You know what West Virginia is trying to do, but obviously it's going to be really, really tough, and no one thinks they have a shot here. How do you see this game unfolding? What do you think the score is going to be here? And then, you know, as part of that, Joe, what does it need to be? Like, the pressure's on Penn State for me. If West Virginia loses by 10, it's house money. They're not supposed to win. They can say this is a hard schedule. It's the number three harder schedule in the country, and they're facing a playoff team potentially for some. They were five and seven last year. If they get a bowl win this year, that probably keeps Neil Brown's job and is a good year being realistic. But Penn State, as we talked about in the open, they need so much more than that. It's it's basically major bowl game, New Year's six or or bust at minimum, if not more. So how do you think this game shakes out? And then what needs to happen for Penn State to walk away feeling really, really good versus just getting a win? Because I don't know if those two things are the same thing. I agree with that. And I think for Penn State fans to feel really, really good, um, it's got to be probably the deficit, uh, the margin of victory has to be probably somewhere in the 20s, I think, because um, the expectations are so high and you're playing a team that went five and seven last year and hasn't really been yeah. very good for five years and you're playing all the stuff we've talked about for the past how many months, um, all of that. So. <laughs> For yeah. fans to be absolutely over the moon at Penn State, it probably has to be similar to what happened at Auburn last year where Penn State just blew the absolute doors off them in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. And then for WVU, I think if they don't get embarrassed, they could kind of just, you know, trudge forward and they'll right, beat right. the game and then we'll see what happens when they play Pitt. But, yeah, um, yeah I – 
think for Penn State to really make a statement, it's got to be a boat racing. And I don't know if... Do they need to do that? Like, is there pressure on Penn State in terms of the big picture to make a statement here? It's a 5-7 and seven team. It's an historic team, but they're down. You you think you're a playoff team and want to win a national title. You need to boat race them? I don't I don't I don't think so. No. Um I the only thing that would be cause for concern is that this is an absolute nail biter for Penn State, and I don't think you're gonna see a nail biter either. Right. Um I think probably if it's somewhere between a boat racing and uh coming down to the last second, um it okay. wouldn't <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't yeah. psych up Penn State fans, uh, but it wouldn't be a cause for concern either. Uh okay. so yeah, Penn State doesn't need to make a statement, uh, but obviously it it would be nice for Penn State. So, yeah. So, how do you think this is going to go then? Because it sounds like you don't think this is going to be a forty-five point victory and totally embarrass West Virginia, but you certainly think Penn State is going to comfortably win. So, if you had to predict here, how do you think this game's going to go? And then, what's your score prediction? My score is 34-17. And Man, I'm, it's almost like you're reading my mind, by the yeah. way. Very close. I already put that in print to you. I don't know if you – go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, but kind of going off of – yeah, going off of history, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of judging this um, around the same as a whiteout game because it basically is. You're gonna We're going to see it. It's a helmet stripe, so most of the stadium is going to be wearing white even though it's not a full whiteout. Um, going back to past whiteout games, uh, Penn State's always seemed to start fast, um, with the exception of Auburn in 2021. Uh, last year, um, they got up on Minnesota pretty early. Uh, they got up on Michigan pretty early 2019. And then I mentioned the 2017 pick game. I think yeah. that's probably the best, the most realistic way I see this going. I do think Penn State gets up by two touchdowns in the first quarter. And I think um, West Virginia is good enough to kind of hang around to where it annoys Penn State fans. It's like, all right, when are we going to blow the doors off this thing? Uh, why is it still within two scores? Uh, why is all this happening? But um, at the same time, it's not going to be like, oh, my God, West Virginia is going to have a chance yeah. to win this game. Or for West Virginia fans, people aren't going to get too excited. Like, there's never going to be a point where West where Penn State's in danger of losing um, okay. and the unthinkable happening, which would be a West Virginia win. But I don't think um, you're going to be seeing the walk-ons play in the second half either. So um, I'll say okay. 34-17. I think West Virginia does enough well to keep it close. And, you know, it's hard to imagine the team, like, making too big a statement week one because it is week one. But at the same time, uh, it – the best way I can describe these two teams is anything you can do, I can do better. You know, West Virginia could run the ball well. Penn State runs the ball better. West Virginia has a good offensive line. I think Penn State has a better one. And I think even though Garrett Green's a little more experienced, I think Drew Aller uh, certainly should be the better quarterback um, if reports uh, and expectations yeah. are to be believed. So um, you're going to get somewhere between um, a laugher uh, and a nail-biter and – yeah, I think probably a 17-point margin, so. Yeah, and that would, that would of course, uh, beat the spread there right now at 20 and a half as we're talking. And funny enough, I said you kind of read my mind or copied me. I put out there my prediction, or at least where it is right now, at 36-17. That's what I put yeah. in print. That's what I, that's what I gave to even uh, Penn State Media. So, 
36-17, and I kind of feel the same way. I The only difference, I guess, for, from me to you and what your analysis is, I wouldn't be shocked, and I don't know if you remember this, but way back when Dana Holgerson had some pressure on him in 2014, and this is soon after the Orange Bowl win, West Virginia faced Alabama. That's the beginning of that dynasty, and everyone was sitting there like now, complaining about the schedule. The schedule's too tough. You're killing the program. They were saying, why are you in this game? You shouldn't have done this. This isn't good. And right away, West Virginia actually started out that game punching Bama in the mouth. A big return. Crowd went ballistic. Now, it was an atmosphere that was a lot West Virginia fans there, and it wasn't a whiteout game at home like this will be here. That was more like a, a big day neutral site game. But it was close early, and then Alabama woke up and said, we're Alabama. We're now going to, you know, we're done with you and your celebration and we're going to win this game comfortably and, and just be done with this. And then they eventually pulled away and got a comfortable win. But most West Virginia fans left that game thinking we're closer to them than we thought we were, maybe. And I'm not saying West Virginia is where Penn State is, but I would not be shocked if there is some type of play, maybe a return as we talked about, or maybe even a, an interception that causes this game to flip early. And West Virginia even takes a 7 nothing lead. Or... It's 14-7 in favor of Penn State, but West Virginia runs a kickoff or a punt back or there's a fumble and all of a sudden they're happy. And then by halftime, Penn State opens up the second half with two or three touchdowns off of ground and pound and then they just bury West Virginia. That wouldn't surprise me either. So that's kind of where I think maybe this could go if West Virginia hangs in there and makes this even a game for TV. The other result that wouldn't be surprising either is if they just totally lose and, you know, it's 45 to three or something wild. But I think if this game is even respectable, yeah, 36, 17 is, is where I'm going. And I wouldn't be shocked if West Virginia even is in the game or has a lead early. And then they just get destroyed in the second half. So I think, I think there's like a 20% chance of this game being close and beating the spread, but probably a one to 0% chance of West Virginia actually winning this game. But who knows? And maybe that's also the beauty of week one that we talked about. But if this was in week five, Penn State maybe would win by 50. But being week one, maybe they, they haven't seen what they're going to deal with. And, you know, when you have two guys that think they're ball hawks out there, maybe Drowler throws a bad pass once and they get it. And it cl it's close early, but then not late. Like that. that is something that I, I could envision that happening, which I think would be probably the best case order for NBC as well, figuring that let's, let's keep some viewers in the, you know, in that first hour, I think that's possible for West Virginia to do. Yeah. And something I just thought of is James Franklin hasn't lost a game in September since 2018. Okay. And that was the Ohio state. So <laughs> yeah. um, that has a bit of an asterisk because 2020, they didn't play any games in September, but, Right. Uh, Penn State takes care of business early. We'll see yeah, October and November is ultimately what will decide this season. But uh, yeah, history is on Penn State's side in that regard too. So Yeah, and then just, just lastly on that front, because this is reality too, and we talked about that if West Virginia even hangs in there and keeps this close, it's kind of a moral win, even though they don't count on the record. But anything outside, you know, a 10-point loss here would probably get Mountaineer fans thinking, okay, we're going to at least make a bowl maybe Brown will end up staying. Whereas if you lose by 20, 25, 30 plus, okay, it's last year and we're going to be in a whole new era after this season for better or worse. But how much does Penn State need this win? 
to the fact that I know you said they don't need to make a statement and win by 30. This was a debate I actually had with somebody on Twitter earlier. It's not a Big Ten game. We've literally seen Ohio State lose early to a non-bowl team in Virginia Tech that year and still make the playoff. Now, I'm sure Penn State fans are going to scream and say, yeah, but they give Ohio State all the breaks. They won't give it to us. So if Penn State would lose this game and somehow West Virginia would do the unthinkable, is Penn State season over? Like, are, are they still able to have a path to still beat Michigan, still beat Ohio State, even if you win one of them, but see, certainly if you win both, like have a great year, be happy about it, get a major bowl and move on? Or will this funk be a funk that will stain Franklin and this season? Because at that point, then you're probably rooting for West Virginia to really surprise and be like an eight-win team to make this not feel as bad. Yeah, and that's a good question. Um, I think statistically, I don't know if the season would be over with a loss. Um, I think if Penn State were to win the next 11, beat Ohio State and Michigan, and then right. beat what could be a pretty darn good Wisconsin team uh, in the Big Ten championship game, um, you'd have a win over Iowa there too. Iowa could be pretty good. Uh, yeah. So statistically, no, but I think losing to West Virginia would be a sign that Penn State just isn't what people thought Penn State was. So that, the concern would be more from that standpoint than it would be from like the, the sign of like, yeah, yeah, like Michigan, Ohio State are here. Penn State thinks they've evened it out now, but if they lose this game, they're still well behind those two top dogs. Like right, I think it would hurt more from that sense. But statistically, I I don't think um it would be the death nail, but they probably have to win out. Yeah, probably, but we have seen it with Ohio State, but again, I, it's probably not going to happen again, and I could still go back and argue that Ohio State shouldn't have made the playoff that year, even though they won the national title. So, yeah, Penn State's going to need to take care of business, but they probably will. <laughs> they probably will take care of business, but, you know, we have some coverage to do, a show to do. We got to have a conversation here, and NBC has a broadcast to put on, so we'll see. These teams haven't played since 92. It's almost too bad because West Virginia's had a lot of great teams since then. Obviously, Penn State has two. They could have had some great moments and great games. You know, is this in any way for you covering Penn State, feeling the vibe of the fans, hearing from the program? I know James Franklin said he doesn't want to talk about history because it doesn't have any bearing on this. But as we close up shop here, is this in any way a rivalry for you? NBC's trying to hype it as a renewal of one, but doesn't feel like one. I don't even think West Virginia fans think this is one. The program's ignoring the history too, because it's obviously not positive for the Mountaineers. But is this in any way a rivalry? Obviously, when Penn State plays Pitt, it's a rivalry, even if they very rarely play, or you know, the whole Narduzzi versus Franklin thing on if they're gonna play in the future. But is this one at all with West with West Virginia? They used to be as independent teams out of the East. I feel like that's long gone. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think it's a rivalry, uh, 48, nine and to two kind of speaks for yeah. itself. Um, and even going back to the eighties, Penn state demolished some pretty good West Virginia teams in the 1980s, yeah. shut out, uh, Jeff Hostetler the year he was a quarterback in Morgantown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I probably would compare it to Penn state's, uh, rivalry with, with Maryland, which I don't think that's a rivalry either, but. Maryland fans hate Penn State. That's the team that, you know, if you ever go to a Penn State-Maryland game uh, at what they call the Shell um, or even a Penn State-Maryland basketball game in College Park, you'll hear 
yeah. all kinds of stuff uh, that would uh, not be um, not be G rated. We'll say that, but sure. I, I don't think West Virginia fans really have a hatred towards no, Penn State. Obviously, so. West Virginia fans uh, hate Pitt. Uh, Penn State mm. fans hate. Um, they hate Pitt too, but they also hate Ohio State, Michigan, probably even. Um, Iowa is further along in the food chain um, of hatred than West Virginia would be. Uh, but yeah. no, I don't think um, it's a rivalry. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think even if these teams play during the Pat White era, like even if this game renewed in 2007 or something like that, when West Virginia was elite, I still don't think it's a rivalry because you hadn't played in so long. There's not a hatred amongst the fan bases. You probably got to go to people's grandparents in order to actually really remember some hatred back in the day. And yeah, it was pretty one-sided. So geographically, you know, when you're within three hours, you can always argue a rivalry in college sports and maybe it would be better. We might be having a different conversation if they would have played more often and maybe they should have played more often. And that's something the programs can talk about, but because they didn't, because it was one-sided, because you missed a lot of the great Mountaineer teams that Penn State maybe would have had problems with, like if this was renewed again in 07 or even 2011, they might have had to you know, sweat about Pat White or Geno Smith. Probably not the case now, but regardless, even if West Virginia would win, and maybe that would be the only way to start it. Like, the only way to start it would be if West Virginia would somehow shock the board and win. Then I think Penn State would want to get him back on the schedule and get revenge, and maybe then you got something going. But, but as we stand now... No, it's not a rivalry, even as much as some people like to to make one up. And I've even told a friend of ours who covers Maryland, I don't even think the West Virginia Maryland thing is that much a rivalry either, because no. I dare someone. Yeah, I, I yeah, he thinks it is, but I dare someone to point me a big game. I'm waiting still. There's no big game. There's no big moment. It's just not one for me unless you can come up with something. And the fact that you can drive within two hours isn't enough for me. Yeah, but that's that's all that we pretty much got for this one as well. But Joe, great conversation. I want to be seeing you in, in a couple yep. days. I'll be seeing you there in the press box and happy. I'll, I'll in that stadium. press box, by the way. You're uh, it's yeah. not. Uh, I don't like it. Um, okay. Um, our, our, Alan, Alan Saunders, our colleague, he he doesn't mind it, but um, I okay. I am personally not a fan. The food is great though. I I think Penn State spread is top top notch. So you'll be impressed with that. Uh, but everything else, yeah. uh, um, uh, it's not my cup of tea. So okay, well, yeah, I, I've been to Penn State many times. I've actually been and covered hockey and basketball there, oddly, but no, I've never covered a football game at Beaver Stadium. So it's going to be a cool experience for me. I will say that if you have great food, you'll at least, you know, win me over a little bit. So it, it doesn't matter what kind of chair I'm sitting in or what view I got, and I'll be looking at a rocking crowd. If I got a nice spread in front of me, then yeah, that 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 bumps you up some points. And, and Joe, I think kind of maybe that's where Alan's coming from too, because we had some conversations. And Alan's all about the food and press box spreads out there too. He's you know years ago he told me like where the best spreads are uh, in the region. So if 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 you're saying the spread's great and Alan's a fan, probably why. But I understand. <laughs> so Penn State, West Virginia, they're going to kick it off. It's going to happen Saturday night. It's going to happen on national TV. And we will see <laughs> what the result is. Obviously, Penn State, a heavy favorite. Can West Virginia do the unthinkable? Will Penn State make a statement en route to a magical year that has not been experienced in Happy Valley since the 80s? And can James Franklin maybe become a Hall of Famer if he gets that job done? All those questions will be answered and, you know, slowly, but we'll start in week one.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.